Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your biz and mindset coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. So everyone actually thinks I live in a commune now from following my stories from this past weekend. It definitely looked like that. (laughs) I know. I had people messaging me literally being like, where is this? Like, how do I join? (laughs) Um, I don't actually live on a commune. I was able to experience what it would be like, though, because this past weekend, my partner's aunt turned 60 and she has a huge group of friends, family, neighbors, and she's a wonderful woman. She's a cancer. And so... Mm. It seems so fitting that she was throwing this huge party during the new moon in Cancer. And there were about 60 to 70 people there. And it was just, it was awesome. It was a weekend of fun. But I was telling Gina earlier that we had these little job boards where you could sign up for lunch cleanup, lunch cook, dinner clean, dinner cook. And so it was this beautiful assembly line of us all doing our little jobs Mm. and kind of like earning our keep in the community. (laughs) And it was just so fun. And I thought I just kept joking with everyone that this must be what commune life is like. Yeah. That or like sister wives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't actually want a commune, but it was it was joyous. It was a lot of uh, grounding in nature. And it's exactly what I needed after a lot of the conversations that Gina and I have been having yeah. with each other about, yeah, like resetting our nervous system, literally feeling the freaking earth like beneath my feet mm-hmm. is just so, so yeah. And even just having that kind of communal support in your day, like waking up, knowing you're going to be eating and feeding people too, and everybody kind of has their place. I don't know. The whole thing felt very like utopia-ish vibes. It really did. I thought like this is great because it's three days, but I don't really know how this would go if it was like three years. I mean, all communes, I think, historically turn out to be cold. So I'm not really sure how it would go if it was long term. Yeah. But like Gina said, there is something to be said about living amongst community. And there was something so beautiful about, like she said, waking up every morning and knowing that I was going to be in the kitchen, you know, preparing breakfast. And we all shared coffee and tea together and we're telling stories. And Mm -hmm. I thought about how that is how humans were literally socialized for years and years. Yeah. Like, like eons. It was like story time around the fire. Literally, that's what we did. It's like telling stories about you know, they were they were a lot older, a lot of the people there. So they're telling stories about their childhood, their 30s. And I just thought, wow, this is literally what it was like when you would just kind of sit around with your elders. Well, now you're on the fire. You do that, but digitally, right? You wake up, you go to your Instagram yeah. and you've got your like thousands of people that you're following and you're just checking in with them. But the, like they're not actually there. But it's like it's that's like a one way street. Yeah. It, well, you're kind of just yeah, like creeping like, on everyone else. It's like you looking into the commune, <laughs> not actually participating. Yeah, you're not participating. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. There's there's definitely a loss of exchange. And I mean, that's why we love our community so much. Yeah. Because there's actually exchanges happening. We have our monthly free calls. If you post a comment, someone will comment back. Yeah. Whereas I feel like it's mostly on social media, just you following people that you like and you leaving comments. But yeah, they don't comment back. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that. Actually, what? Yeah, I was going to say one of my favorite creators actually liked my comment. And that was really exciting. <laughs> I was like, oh, he liked the comment. He didn't respond. 
It's actually so funny, though, when you actually think about what that is. It's like, oh, my God, he liked my comment. It's like, no, he tapped his phone. (laughs) He literally took his his index finger or his thumb and pushed on his phone. And it but it's like that that is what engagement or connecting is nowadays. It's just but to see that in contrast to what you experienced where people were actually engaging with you, like putting their arms around you, like passing mm-hmm. you a bowl of food mm-hmm. yeah and just like playing like i saw yeah. so many of those videos with you playing with the kids and like running in the field and picking like the vegetables like that's that's real engagement everyone <laughs> yeah and i think it's beautiful like i i had a great time but i'm also not so delusional to think that oh like this is how i want to live forever yeah yeah and i think yeah i think that's a phase that a lot of people go through during their spiritual awakening their journey where it's like i just want to like go off the grid and completely forget modern life and just grow all my own food I think there is definitely a beauty to that, but also there was a beauty to this. When I was home and knew that I was going to connect with you and bring my mic out, it was exciting. Mm -hmm. I love the technology. And so there's a little bit of both that you can infuse into your life for sure. Well, yeah, because on the flip side of that, like even though we were just making fun of social media and how someone is just like literally tapping their phone, it's like you have access to so many more people. I mean, the fact that we can even launch. We met. We met on Instagram. Yeah. Um, but even the fact that this podcast is reaching people around the world through technology and we can continue to foster those relationships on a website like our community or in our Instagram. So I think that on both ends of the spectrum, you know, there's there's, I guess, two ways of looking at it and really could work for you in some ways and maybe some not. So, yeah, I think it's. All yeah. Fun. And you just don't have to pick. You don't have yeah. to pick one or the other. I think that's the best thing about the human experience is you can have a little bit of everything. I was actually, because I was around so many people who are older than me, I was telling them a little bit about my line of work. And a lot of them are like, what is that? Like social media and like your podcast? Like it was a lot of conversations (laughs) like that. But I love that I got to actually talk about what amazing opportunities have have come from it Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. their perspective is that, you know, like, oh, like this is all that matters, like family and being around the fire. And I'm not rejecting that. I just think you can find beauty in both. And so I love that I got to bring a little bit of my world to theirs and then take a little bit of theirs with mine. It was it was a beautiful, yeah, it was a sacred exchange. Mm. It was fun. Well, I think that ties in really nicely to our episode that you're about to listen into with it, which is with Andrea Freemeyer, who is actually one of my mentors from my breathwork program. And she is a neuroscientist. And so she was always teaching the modules about like the brain and what's happening to our nervous system. And so I think when it comes to any aspect of life, whether it's on social media or with a, a bunch of family members, it's really all about tuning into what, how your nervous system is responding, right? Because you could be on social media and have it be completely sending your nervous system out on a, you know, on a wild ride, but you could also experience social media and have it be completely soothing and fine. So I think that it really, one of the things that I've really been embodying in my life is living my life according to my nervous system or at least like soothing it when it needs to be soothed whereas before my nervous system was really not a part of the equation but now my nervous system is generally my I guess my compass for what I say yes to and how I respond to things and what I participate in yeah I mean I have learned to not say yes to everything I was actually going to tell you before this episode that I was invited for this trip in August and I have a lot of other trips already Mm -hmm. happening in August and I want to say yes to everything. I know, right? especially I you. To everything, <laughs> especially me. Yeah. But I'm trying to ask my body now yes. what it needs to operate as optimally as it can. And to my brain, yes, I want to do all the things. And that's the thing that we actually learn to differentiate with Andrea, who is a neuroscientist, 
you know, what the mind thinks it's capable of versus what the body is mm-hmm. capable of. So a lot of us are operating, obviously, in the society with running by, you know, our ego, our programming, our mind. And it has a lot of dictations on what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And it goes beyond a lot of the body's capability. And so the body literally rebels, which isn't a rebellion technically. It's more like a signal. Mm-hmm. It's telling us, our mind, hey, this is too much. But we don't listen. Yeah. And we use a lot of suppressants and eventually those become ineffective. And so we actually dive really deeply into all of our personal stories with nervous system dysregulation. Mm-hmm. You could call it anxiety. You could call it depression. I even shared my stories of when I literally could just barely get out of bed. I had life ending thoughts. I was like telling Gina I was never going to be happy again, like mm-hmm. no purpose. And having Andrea on talk about as an educator on the nervous system helped me see that that wasn't a character flaw. That wasn't a character deficit. This was actually a hallmark hallmark traits and characteristics of a particular nervous system state that is temporary yeah and so we really really go into how to notice and become aware of which state you're in and disidentify from that state yourself Mm -hmm. because we we take it on as our personality oh i'm lazy or oh i'm crazy or Mm -hmm. you know i'm just i'm just wired this way you're not your body is obviously wired to have certain reactions depending on the stimuli but that is not your personality or your state of being. And you can learn to heal that. Mm-hmm. I really like how she walked us through kind of, I guess, like the more scientific explanations of everything and also what to do when you're in those states. Um, yeah. And she talks a lot about the science of breath work at the end as well. So, I mean, I obviously learned from her in my course, but I learned so much more in this episode as well, because mm-hmm. I think we were able to really apply like our own personal experiences to it as well. But it, it was really comforting to hear once again that there's nothing wrong with me. And it's actually that my nervous system is so wise and works so well that I experience these states. And that for me was very comforting. It's almost like, you know, when you're a little kid and you want to go hang out with your friends and your mom's like, no, you're too tired. You need to stay home and take a nap. And you're like, I don't want to. Yeah, I feel fine. And then you totally pass out. It's like your nervous system and your brain have this internal guidance they it knows for you what is best when when to rest what to eat right and we disobey yeah We're like no i can ignore those signals i don't care i'm just going to do whatever i want and especially in a society that rewards a lot of just ambitious constant hustling behavior like we talked about in one of our previous episodes it's so hard to redefine then what success means for you. Mm-hmm. And so hearing the science behind it and really understanding what is going on in my brain and body when I feel anxiety or when I feel quote unquote depression, mm-hmm. it's going to just literally change your paradigm. And when you change how you relate to yourself, everything changes. And so yeah. being able to hear from, yeah, such a well-educated person's perspective on this issue, it was just, it just opened up a lot of doors for me. So I hope it will for everyone who listens. Yeah, I think you're all going to walk away from it making more sense of yourself and the things that you experience and why you experience it. Yeah, it's going to be super juicy. So stick around to hear the rest of Andrea's episode. And we can't wait to hear what you think about this one. Hey, Spiralers, we found something that we could not wait to tell you about. We have got for you some spiritual tea. Actually, it's not tea at all, but it is our new favorite meditation app, Superhuman. We're literally obsessed with this. I love it because unlike other meditation apps we've used before, it has meditations you can do as you go about your day, not just when you're sitting or lying down. My favorite are the getting ready ones that are about 20 minutes long with affirmations that you can listen to as you start your morning 
before the midday pep talks, which are only two or three minutes long, and they even have specific tracks for moms. Yeah, there's so many options, and I really like how these meditations are aimed at helping you tap into the emotions of what you want to attract. Mm -hmm. They're accompanied with really moving, motivational musical tracks, and they're just not boring. They don't just ask you to sit there and try to clear your mind. Instead, I feel like I'm in my own music video and I'm tuning into the frequency of my future self. Yeah, I actually feel like I'm in my own movie when I'm listening to them. I know, me too, especially when I'm doing the walking ones. Mm -hmm. There's like specific walking ones where Mimi's voice, who actually voices all of the tracks, she's like, and as you walk into (laughs) your future, I literally feel like I'm commanding this energy. And that's the entire point of the meditation is to really tune into a higher frequency. And so with our code, you can try the Superhuman app with one free month in addition to their trial offer of two complimentary weeks. That's six entire free weeks to tune into the frequency of your highest timeline. So abundant. We want you to try it for yourself and let us know what you think because you have absolutely nothing to lose and you can redeem your free six weeks of the Superhuman app now by clicking the link in our show notes and using the code SpiralingHigher with no spaces. We know you're going to love this one and we feel confident that your vibrations are going to spiral higher. (laughs) Welcome, Andrea, to the Spiraling Higher podcast. We are so excited to talk to you. I have been waiting for this day, counting down ever since we've been in the Breathwork program or ever since I've been in the Breathwork program. So to start off this episode, we would love for you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you got into neuroscience, and maybe even how you got into breath work. Um, Yeah, tell us everything. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so, so glad to be here. I've very much been looking forward to this as well. So yeah, sometimes when I look at my journey, I'm like, how the hell did I get here? (laughs) And at the same time, it also makes so much sense. So I really have, uh, for like all of my life, I've I've wanted to help people. I've wanted to yeah. just better understand like why there's so much suffering, like why there's so much hurt, and and this was really a personal thing as well because I was I was feeling this and seeing this a lot in my like inner circle, in my family, and my close friends, mm. and. So when it was my turn to go to college, I just decided that I would would do psychology. I would take that route. I would I would be able to help people. I would be able to understand the the human mind and how it functions and why all of this is happening and also um have ways to to help support people. Mm. And what I discovered in that is that I really that wasn't really my path like that. I I still wanted to help people, but I wasn't really able to go at it like I wanted to. I didn't learn the Mm. stuff about the brain that I was really interested in. And I had went and worked at a psychiatric hospital for a little while and just saw how broken the system was. Mm. And that was just a lot. It was just a lot to experience, a lot to witness. And there was very much this piece of like, I can't with what I know, I'm not going to be able to help these people. Mm. And so then I was like, well, I want more. I want to go deeper. So I went into uh, to start studying neuroscience. I wanted to understand like what was like what was like that underlying stuff that was going on here. Mm-hmm. And and so that's when I signed up for the neuroscience program. And I really threw myself into that. I mean, it was like, this is what I'm doing with my life. I was so passionate about it. I was learning so much. I was eating all of it up. 
And after I, and so I, I worked through all of that. And after I graduated from that program, I, I got done and I was, I was like, wait, <laughs> like I still, I still don't really feel like right. I, I feel like I understand the brain on a deeper level. Like this education is really valuable. I can see that, but I also don't really know how to help people. Like this is still, mm. it was still just very elusive to me. Mm. And what I had understood and kind of how I had lived my life is like, I can figure everything out at the level of my mind. Like I can mm -hmm. solve problems with this big, beautiful brain that I have mm -hmm. and, and that's all that I need. But what I discovered in my own life was like, it was like, I was like hitting my head up against a wall. Like it was like, okay, I know yeah. all this stuff. I have all this knowledge, but it's still like, I still feel like shit. And so do the people in my life. And I'm like, I still don't know how to help people. So I graduated from that program. And when I graduated, I realized that in my quest to try to figure out how to help other people, I was abandoning myself. I was abandoning my own self experience. I was abandoning just what was going on inside of myself. And so I'd been through, through some really painful things. Um, in my my teenage years and up into like early adulthood. And and I just didn't really ever address those. I didn't really ever do anything about any of that because I was like, no, I'm really good at school. I'll just like throw myself into this and this will be. And so I realized that I had really been abandoning myself and I was really looking for like the magic cure, right? In school, I was mm -hmm. looking for that. Like, Let me find this thing outside of myself to help me and find and find my purpose. And so during that time I became a mom and that really gave me purpose. Like I was like, okay, this is my purpose. I get to I get to show up for my son. I really started to take care of myself in a different way. I started to eat better, I started to mm -hmm. exercise. I started a meditation practice. So I was like really like building this foundation. And I felt like I was getting somewhere, but it was still just very surface level stuff. Yeah. And then kind of it, during that time, my my marriage had kind of been falling apart behind the scenes the whole time I was in school. Also something I wasn't allowing myself to feel or address. Mm. And I was like, I'm a mom. I can do this. This will it'll be fine, you know. And um, a few months after graduating, um, my husband at the time actually took his own life. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So in that experience and having, you know, I, I mean, my whole foundation, like everything just that that I believe to be safe, you know, was even though it was a true safety and I now see that, but like was mm. was gone. It was like, you know, he was gone. There was this complicated grief sitting right in front of me. I didn't know how I was going to pay the bills. I didn't know how I was going to take care of my son. I didn't know. It was just like everything was just like, what? I have no idea how to move through this. And I've always had a really deep connection to nature. That's really the only time that I have felt like connection to source, connection to like the spiritual realm is just to go out, be like surrounded by woods and the trees and, and the water. And so I had spent a lot of time doing that in those like early days after. It was like the only place I felt like I could just 
be like just allow me because there was just so there's so much that happens when when somebody dies that you have to take care of that you don't even consider before yep. and especially the way mm-hmm. the manner of the death there's just so much mm-hmm. and yeah. so I would go lay in nature it was like my refuge and one evening or one morning really early morning because I barely slept during that time I was watching the sunrise and I just heard this voice. I just heard this presence that was so much louder than me say, Andrea, you have to feel this. Like you have to feel this. That's the only way through. And at the time I'm like, fuck off. (laughs) Like I, you're like, I don't want to feel any of this too heavy. And there had been so many other things that I had pushed down. It's like, oh, now, now I'm going to start feeling, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. And so I had all these numbing behaviors, all of these things that I had been um, engaging in for so many years in my life. And of course I used those um, soon after, but what I discovered was, and like that message came through and I was like, wow, that's really powerful, but no, (laughs) and not right now. I was, I was like mm-hmm. still very much in shock and just very wrapped up in all the things. And eventually the numbing wasn't numbing anything anymore. There was too much pain. Mm-hmm. There was too much heaviness. And so everything that I had reached for to numb didn't work. So it was about that time that breathwork landed in my field, in my experience Nothing that I was looking for. I mean, I obviously I was looking for something like there was something inside of me that was looking like this wisdom that I wasn't aware of was looking for something. And I had a I did a breathwork session and I felt my body for the first time in a really long time. And what I discovered in those moments that were also really scary because I was like, wow, I'm there's so much here to feel. I was so raw. I was so open. And, and so I didn't do it for very long, but I was like, I knew just in that very short, those short moments that this, this is what I need. Like, this is going to help me. And so I really latched on to, and I was still like working at the hospital, like in the, the research hospital and doing all of that. But I was, I was throwing myself into this like healing modality. Like I was doing it as often as I could. And a lot of times what would happen is I would take like four breaths and then I would just cry for however long. But it was like, it really gave me this uh, like deep sense of safety. Like I was able to connect into safety without even really knowing what I was doing. But I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't have to figure all of this out. This thing that doesn't make any fucking sense. I have to just feel it. And I have this whole body that I've been neglecting for most of my life to help me do that. And so I used breath work in my own um, healing experience. And then I was like, it was so powerful for me that I decided I wanted to to train, to share it with other people. So Mm -hmm. that's how I signed up for the, the breath work training program. And then And then it was only after I had had the experience, right, where I had felt how much it shifted, how much it changed within me that I had like the bandwidth or the capacity to be like, oh, there's so much science to support this. There's so many benefits to this. And the education that I have is so helpful in in understanding what's going on in the body. Mm -hmm. So I eventually, because my job at the university was like so much and my mind functioned very differently after experiencing that trauma. 
it just yeah. took a while for, yeah for me to be able to come back and sometimes like my brain still doesn't work the same way um but to be able to to take the science and put it into this thing that my heart is so committed to and so connected to and it's like now i have i have the science i've been able to to live my heart's desire to heal myself to help guide other people through that journey and to like marry the two together so there's like yeah there's such a powerful i feel the way that i like to describe what i do a lot of times is because of my experience because of my education and just my connection to like nature and source it's like i'm like the bridge between like the mystical and the scientific it's like we can't yeah there's so much unseen that I just denied for so long. I'm like, I can't touch it. I can't see it. I can't feel it doesn't exist. I was a scientist, right? And okay. so I've really been able to take my, just like my life experience and moving through that and and kind of like bring them together. And it's just been yeah, so powerful. <laughs> so powerful. Yeah. I think you're, that's such a beautiful story. And thank you so much for vulnerably opening up about how you got here but there's a couple couple of things I want to mirror back for you and our audience I mean number one being that I don't even think that you could have realized you felt unsafe until you experienced the safety through the session I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us yeah a lot of us operate at that level or at that state of consciousness that state of being we don't even realize that we feel unsafe or that the body Mm -hmm. feels unsafe until you experience that felt sense of being in your body you're like wow I haven't been inside of here for maybe years like I've just been this floating head and then the other thing I wanted to beautifully reflect is that it really is so strange for all of us that our worst moments of suffering they always give birth to our life purpose and so despite everything that's happened to you and some of it was so heartbreaking for us to hear it's it's what got you here right now yeah yeah. And so we're really excited to to dive in. And I actually I have a question about this now. Based on everything you've learned about neuroscience and how you've blended breathwork together and all these practices to help both yourselves and your clients, what do you now know scientifically about the states of consciousness you were in before? Mm-hmm. That state of like intellectualizing and trying to figure out that not feeling what was actually happening in your brain and body back then? Yeah, yeah I was really I was really um just like pendulating through both like survival states. Like I was, I was either yeah. like in this like sympathetic, I'm gonna, I've got to do all of these things. I've got to like prove my worth. I've got to make sense of everything. It was very, very just like driven by this like chaotic energy that was in, that was yeah. in my body. So we can call that, you know, like the sympathetic state and, and, specifically in my experience, then I was in a sympathetic survival state. So I was in, I was beyond Mm. something called the window of tolerance in which we can tolerate our experience. And I was outside of that, just existing in this like go, go, go survival state. Didn't feel um, comfortable in my, in my own skin if I would stop. Right. So I was like always, always doing something. There's like a proving energy. Yes, yes, very much. And then, or or sometimes I would be in the complete opposite side of that spectrum where I would just like shut down and tune everybody out and 
and tune out my own sense of feeling and and numb and just be it was like I would be so overwhelmed by the sympathetic energy that was moving through my body that I and I would burn myself out I would go 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 till I couldn't anymore and then I would shut down and there was no Mm. in between it was like either this or this um yeah yeah so I was just kind of and does the body do that naturally like does it just kind of automatically do that because it's now in sympathetic for so long that it just shuts down on its own okay yeah Yeah. it's like a protection Mm -hmm. mechanism right the brain's like hey like we can't operate at that level right yeah and it's actually yeah it's, it's such when we understand this it really can be so empowering because mm-hmm. we realize like yeah. I'm not broken. There is nothing yeah. wrong with me. This is my body's beautiful mechanism to protect me. Because what I yeah. experienced yeah. was too much, too fast, too soon. It was and not just my husband's death. It was things that I experienced had experienced before that that I just wasn't really yes. allowing myself to face. And yeah, so right. being in those in those different states is what was getting me through it was what was allowing me to to live my life but it wasn't really living right <laughs> I was just surviving just surviving right I would love for you to talk a little bit more about the hallmarks of these states so that our listeners can begin to understand that these hallmarks or these traits that exist within these survival paradigms these are not actually character flaws or deficits of your own being right because all I hear from people who are in these states is I am lazy Mm -hmm. or something is wrong with me I might need medication right a lot of pathologize pathologization of these states when in reality your body like you said it's a beautiful mechanism to protect you but but because you have a mind you can create a story around these states and a lot of them are pointing back at the self and saying I'm wrong, I'm lazy, I'm not doing enough. And this is also perpetuating that state as well. So I would love for you to sort of scientifically break down for us, like what are the hallmarks of these states so that people can begin to discern, oh, like that's a state that I recognize. And so for next time, they can also discern that that's the state that they're in rather than making up a story about how they're somehow inadequate or Mm -hmm. insufficient. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's such a beautiful, beautiful question and beautiful offering. Um, yeah, so the this I'll just talk about the ones first that are that are so mm-hmm. well known. So we hear yeah oftentimes, especially in circles like this, of like, oh, it's like fight or flight. I'm in I'm in fight or flight. I have to be doing something all the time. There's this like when we're in and that's the sympathetic pathway of the autonomic nervous system. So just to to be clear, the autonomic nervous system is everything outside of the brain and the spinal cord. So it's all of these nerves running through our body that interact with all the organs in our body, right? And so when we're in sympathetic, when we're in that pathway of the nervous system, we are feeling just very, It's there's like this, this chaos. There's this like constant energy moving through the body. Like I always have to be that feeling of like, I got to do, do, do everything. And, and I can't, I can't be still. There's a hypervigilance. So perceiving a threat when there is no threat that's actually present. Um, There is this like uh, reactionary component to that. It's like everything that happens is like, oh, this is targeted towards me. Like there's like a victim mentality that's present there. And instead of 
processing the anger, feeling the anger, there's this aggression that can a lot of times come out. We can also feel just very anxious and like unsettled in the body when we're in that that sympathetic state. And and also to speak to your point of like there's there's actually nothing wrong with us for for um being in that state of our nervous system even when we're like outside of our window of tolerance it's it's our body's way of allowing us to to continue to move through life right and so it's just this really really beautiful beautiful way of of surviving but it can also really lead to a lot of a lot of chronic chronic things if we stay there for very long then yeah. do, you, do you want me to keep going or did you? Yes. <laughs> no, keep going. Yeah. I just have uh, one question or a sort of addition to this. I also imagine from that state, there's a lot of future fixation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I find that my clients who are really panicked about future and I know Gina's been there a lot. Yeah. It just automatically now signals to me, oh, you're in that yeah. state because it's the way that we create predictability and an illusion of control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Where which only needs to happen when we feel unsafe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting for Gina and I, as we've sort of thawed ourselves from that sympathetic state and come back into safety, there's not as much future fixation for us. Mm-hmm. We're we're very aligned and in the present and we set goals for the future, but we're not attached to goals. And so Gina and I have noticed that when we start getting what I call grippy, mm-hmm. like when I start getting really like okay, like I need to make this sure this happens and then I have to do the, and then I get really controlly about things, it automatically indicates to me that I'm in the Yeah, state. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And there's like yeah. such a rigidity to it. Like there's not a lot of flexibility. Yeah. It's like it's either this or nothing. Like I have to yeah. have this happen or I'm going to die. Like, I mean, that's literally yeah. like yeah. belief, deep down belief. Yes. It's like I have to do this and if this doesn't work out the way that I want it to, and then it's then I'm not going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of our clients that are under this really deep illusion that they have to control everything, right? They're like, I have to, because if I don't, then everything's going to go to shit. Everything's going to fall apart. Like this is, this is how I keep things together. But it's like, this is, this is not together. Right. <laughs> like this is actually not together, but we think it is. And so I think a lot of people in that state just obviously get quite, um, I don't want to say manic, but you're just kind of trying to do yeah. so many things at the same time because I guess that makes you feel like you're doing something and you do have a sense of control. Um, but it just looks like you're just running around like a chicken with their head yeah. cut off, right? Yeah. It's like it, and it's actually inducing more of that that state, yeah, that energy. For sure. Yeah. It's like trying to find safety. I mean, I think that's like what's actually happening, but we don't have that awareness when it's yeah. happening, right? Like we're like trying to find safety, but we're trying to find it in everything outside of ourselves. And the reality is that like life is just uncertain and it's this need to find certainty because that feels safer because uncertainty feels very untethering and very like, oh my God, I don't know what my future holds. That can be really, that can feel really scary if you don't have a sense of safety within yourself and a sense of trust. Exactly. Yeah, like even thinking to myself, oh my God, the future is so uncertain. That only triggers me when I'm in that sense, that state of non-safety. Mm-hmm. 
But what's interesting is when Gina and I are in the state of safety, when we think about how uncertain the future is, all we see is possibilities. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden my perception of the uncertain Mm -hmm. future is a very welcoming, inviting, expansive thing. But when it gets really reductive and like, oh, my God, like only bad things can happen. That's how, again, I know that I'm in this state. And so I'm hoping that as people are listening, they're starting to identify characteristics or hallmarks of the state so that they don't have to identify with like, I am this type Mm -hmm. of person that is lazy or I am this type of person who is always on the go. Right. These are represent representative of the states that you may be shifting in and out of. And so I then want to talk about how if we're in that sympathetic state for so long, like you talked about, the natural the natural next step is to come down into the depressed, overwhelmed state. And so can you talk a little bit more about that state from like a scientific point yeah, of view? Yeah, sure. So it's really like when we're holding this much energy in the body for so long, we could only sustain that for a certain period of time before our body's like, yeah, this is too much. Like all of our organs are like, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. I need repair. I need to rebuild myself. I need, I need some, some wellness in my system. But what actually ends up happening when we're that overwhelmed and that stuck in for an extended period of time, so it becomes chronic, right? We can shut down. And that's kind of like the opposite side of the spectrum of the autonomic nervous system. So it's what's called specifically the dorsal vagus pathway, yeah. where we it, it's also known as like rest and digest. And so mm-hmm. we can, and this is actually important for both the sympathetic and the the parasympathetic or the rest and digest is we can experience like different flavors of these states that are actually really important for us to experience, right? Like it's important for us to have energy in the system to do things, but it's with when it's with outside our window of tolerance that that it becomes a survival thing, right? And so we need to rest and digest. We need to slow down. When our body slows down, all of our organs do the things that they're supposed to be doing, um, like before we get ready to go to bed or something. But when we're in, when we're outside of our window of tolerance in the the dorsal vagus pathway, that is like this, I don't even care anymore. There's, I don't have a will to live. Like why even bother? Like just this very like, I, like I'm, I'm going through the motions, but I'm not actually here. Like I'm just, yeah, I'm just yeah. doing the things without, associated. without even thinking about it. Um, and and that is when we can feel that like deep depression and and just like a like we have no desire we we've no desire to to continue living and mm-hmm. um and so again when we're there we're we're just very much we're like our body is not able to do it's it's natural thing to be able to get us back into back into safety back into a stable place we're just kind of Mm-hmm. When we're in that like outside of our window of tolerance and we're there for a chronic period of time, an extended period of time, then that's just kind of we can start to identify with like, well, this is just how I am. You know, I'm just lazy. Yeah. I'm so unmotivated. Like, what is wrong with me? When really it's just your body's way of responding to having too much energy in the system for too long. Mm, yeah. I mean, I'm so curious because just with the work that we do, obviously, and even between Sam and I, like we obviously respond to different things very differently. But I think one of my traits or what I thought was one of my traits is this 
high capacity for stress, right? So I never really had this pendulum swing very often for me. I kind of just operated Mm -hmm. in this very high adrenaline state for honestly like two decades. And I would have some breakdowns, but I would just bounce right back. Mm -hmm. I never really got into a dorsal state where I would just be laying in bed. I I recently, um, we talked about this on a recent episode that I did start to experience panic attacks as I was starting to gear down out of adrenaline, then my body like collapsed. And I actually felt so much worse. And it was actually really confusing because I was like, when I'm sleeping more, I'm taking care of myself, but I feel terrible. I actually felt like I was really drunk. And so I'm curious to know, I'm assuming obviously everybody has different, I don't want to say the word capacity, but like, do some people, are they able to stay in a higher state of adrenaline and that kind of sympathetic state longer than others? And if so, why? Like, why? What? What is the difference that's happening yeah, inside of us? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, like, part of that just has to do with our genetic makeup. It just has to do with with our genes, with with how, with what our life has been like, what our, what our childhood was like, mm-hmm. what our adulthood was like, like the experiences that we've been through. So we all, it's important to understand that we do all have a baseline level of of activation that we can hold and a baseline level of, you know, like rest that, that we can hold in our system and still, and still feel safe. Right. Like that's that window of tolerance. Mm. Like, and Mm -hmm. it probably what was happening in your case is you did have this just like wider window of tolerance to, to hold your life. Like you were so used to just like feeling this energy in your body. It, It was, it was your baseline. It was your norm. And yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Until it gets to the point of like, and unless we're not aware of like, wow, I haven't actually like given myself space and time to rest. Like I haven't actually stopped yeah. going for t- for twenty years, right? Yeah. And and so probably what was happening there was like your, it just became too much for your system, and so and you realize that you had the awareness to realize that. And so you decided to start making some changes, it sounds like. And yeah. now your body's like, what the hell is happening? Why aren't we, why aren't we go? So you're like, almost like what is happening is you're reestablishing a new baseline. Like mm-hmm. your body's like, why are you resting? Like, and, and, it, and it doesn't feel comfortable, right? Like it doesn't, there's like other, other symptoms and stuff that come along with that while your body is getting is getting used to this. It's almost like you're building a capacity for slowness now. Right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And this doesn't even touch on the sort of like mental socialization of these things too, because in addition to the body increasing its capacity for slowness, which is, you know, physiologically a good thing for us, the mm-hmm. mind is like, but now yes. we're lazy. Yeah. Now we're unmotivated. Yeah. Now we're not yeah. ambitious and now we're not going after it. And so it's just, it's so sad to me that a lot of what is celebrated, like this really wide window of tolerance, let's say for Gina and for many people who operate in this capitalist society, right? We're rewarding that stretching of the window of tolerance, maybe even surpassing it to continue to strive on the outside. And we are not valuing this capacity for slowness, this rest and digest. We only see that as problematic. And so how are we, we're not well. Right. I look at our society and I think about how many people are taking medications and are honestly just burnt out. They're in that dorsal vagal state and seeing it, like I said earlier, this character deficit, like this severe like motivation problem. Yeah. And this 
yeah, a literal character flaw, like something is wrong with me that I can't maintain this. But I think and I hope after hearing you, a scientist, um, <laughs> that this is not your personality or your values that are being in question. It really just is a natural byproduct of your body doing its best to survive. Yeah. Yeah. I think what was interesting about my journey as I was kind of gearing down was that as I was trying to release adrenaline from my body and, and settle and find safety, it like created so much fear. Mm -hmm. So then it's like yeah. in doing the thing that's trying to settle my nervous system, it activated my nervous system because it was like, wait, yeah. but we don't, what's going to happen with your business? What's going to happen with this? How will you figure out how to do that? And and I think that it, I, I called it a world war, Gina, inside of me because it really felt like my nervous system was almost like attacking mm -hmm. itself. And so, yeah, I guess I just wanted to normalize that for people that it can be it can be a bit of a it, it kind of gets worse before it gets yes. better, I think. Yes. Um, so, yeah. you know, for anyone who's doing that, what are some ways that we can kind of help ourselves? I mean, for me, I just really allowed myself as much rest as I mm -hmm. needed. I was like, this is just my new pace. I'm going to just try my yeah. best to to function in the way that I can, but to really honor and listen to my body. But for so many people, they don't even really know what that means to listen to your body. What they're actually doing is just still listening to their mind. Um, so how can we connect more with our nervous system and a way to support it better, I guess, when we're in these states? Yeah, great question. Um, and this will really be unique to every person, right? Because it's like, what yeah. what is your what is your understanding of this? Like, what is your awareness? What is your connection to your body? Because something that that we haven't touched on yet in regards to the nervous system is we also have this third pathway, right? As under the polyvagal theory, that is the ventral vagus pathway. This I like to call the safety pathway. So we actually, this is something that so many people don't know. We're not taught this. I wasn't taught this in my seven years of school, like that we actually have a, a, a physiological pathway that allows us to connect to safety in the body. And so when we're in that place, just to give some like characteristics of what it's like to be there, we, and please guide me back to your question if I forget to go there. Um, but I but I feel like this is important um, building up to that. Uh, yeah. Um. So if we are feeling like like we're we're okay to be slow, like we're okay to rest, we there's like there can be like there can still be some activation in the body, but it's like there's also like this knowing or this um this realization within the cells within the nervous system within the body, not just the mind, that's like okay. Like I can do this. Like this yeah. is part of that repatterning, and the body just knows like a non-reactivity. Yes. And so to allow ourselves yeah. to go slow, to allow ourselves to to truly rest, um, which is so different than like, and and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but like, you know, watching a, a series on Netflix that is like that's like our definition of rest. It's like there's still all the stimulation coming in, right? And so it's really true like reparative rest that's important and until we feel safety in the body we're gonna it's that's gonna be really uncomfortable so even when we're resting we're gonna have to have something music a book the tv somebody yes. to have a conversation with right and and again none of that stuff is bad it's just like what are you actually doing and are you actually allowing yeah. yourself to rest right and so when we're in this pathway of safety we feel safe to rest but 
also on the other side, we feel safe to feel the activation in the body. So like in your case, when you're coming down from this adrenaline high, you're, you're feeling all this activation. You're feeling like sensations that are leading to a panic, right? And and even though that's really scary and can feel really unsettling, it's like you have the awareness to know like, okay, there's there's something happening here. Like I've been going for so long. This is like my body's like recalibrating itself, right? Yeah. So somebody that doesn't have, back to your question, like somebody that doesn't have that sense of safety within themselves, it's going to be really hard to just allow themselves to just lay there, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. or even just the awareness of the yes. states, like we've talked about, I'm sure it'll be it'll be easier for them now to be like, oh, like I'm now transitioning out of a yeah. state. Yeah. Whereas I think most people don't have they don't have this information. I mean, you went to school for five, yeah. six, seven years and still didn't right. have this information. So people <laughs> don't actually know what is going yeah. on. Like we don't have a lot of emotional intel physiological intelligence. Right. Like we don't trust our bodies. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So, so that being said, also remembering like how much, like, can we, like you said, you just allowed yourself, right? Like that's really hard for people to do as well, because we do have the yeah. stories in the mind that have been running on repeat for so long. So there is, even though I believe that every, that we got to begin in the body for sustainable healing, there is a time and a place where the mindset becomes so important because while we're going into the body and we're shifting and changing things on a cellular level and we're understanding that, we also get to reframe what our experience is. So in the experience that, oh my, oh my God, like I'm I'm resting and now I feel sicker than I did when I was going before. For a lot of people, it's like, well, I guess I need to go back to doing that, right? Like something's wrong with me. This is I'm this I'm not meant to just rest. I'm not meant to relax. And so it's being yeah, able to yeah. repattern, reframe, which is also repatterning the mind, repatterning yeah. the thoughts and those yeah. connections of like, it is safe to slow down. It is safe to rest. So at this point, when you're starting to have an awareness of, of the body and notice shifts and change that are happening there with different somatic practices, breath work probably being one of the most powerful ones because it really allows us to go it's almost like an autonomic nervous system hack, right? Like we can go yeah. in and change our breath. And when we change our breath, we can change how our heart is beating. We can change how our organs are functioning. We're changing our inner experience. We're changing our physiology. And so when we're able to do that and we have support in that way, like seek support, get help, of course. And when you have that support and you're starting to move stuff there, then really start to work with, affirmations like reminders to yourself of like i am safe to slow down i am safe to rest i am in the process of finding safety in my body i am in the process of feeling um relaxation in my system and sometimes that's uncomfortable and so just like having that understanding that when the repatterning is happening it's not like we just go from 5000 to zero and it's like oh this is great you know like yeah and also compassion for i have an awareness i have been and just speaking to your experience again as an example i have been in this state for 20 years and now i'm seeing that this isn't sustainable and i want to choose something different 
doesn't it make sense that it would take some time? You know, if and we'll forget that. It's like a drug detox. But we forget that because we're like, oh, now I see where I want to be. So I'm ready. And that's part of this like Western medicine culture that we live in of like, yeah, like give me something for an immediate fix. Give me a pill. Give me a whatever. And it's like, no, that's not that's not actually how this works. Like in order for it to be sustainable. Hey, listeners, quickly interrupting this episode to say that if you're loving this conscious conversation, we're inviting you to join the dialogue with us inside of our free Spiraling Higher community. It's our favorite place on earth, and it's where you can meet like-minded souls on their healing journey and discuss what you're spiraling through with your conscious besties. It's where we continue this conversation long after the episode ends, because as we all know, healing is an upward spiral. So join the conversation, share with us your insights, questions, and breakthroughs. We're here for it all. You can join by creating a free account by clicking the link at the top of the show notes. Can't wait to see you in there. Yeah, and I think it's it's the when you know it, right? Mm-hmm. So many people say, well, I know, I know what's happening. Or like, I understand that this is, you know, you have this cognitive awareness or understanding of what's going on, but you're like, but I still feel like crap mm-hmm. inside. And that's when we always say like the body doesn't lie. And so there is sometimes, I guess, almost a lag between your body catching up to what your mind knows. Because yes. I think that's where yes. I was confused. Because I was like, I understand the nervous system stuff. I get it. Why don't I feel better? And, you know, on the flip side, so Sam and I are quite on opposite ends of where our nervous systems go when we get activated. And so I'll let you share, Sam, because I remember you when you were recently going through like kind of a downward spiral. She was more in dorsal, kind of like not wanting to really do anything. Your question at the time was like, do I do I let myself rest or should I be getting up to make myself feel better? Yeah, I actually I love that you talked a little bit about how long it takes, obviously, for us to come back from these states. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain on. Yeah, what do you I mean, obviously, I know there's going to be variations depending on the individual, but just sort of on average, you know, how long can it take someone to really move out of dorsal vagal state once they come into acceptance? Because for me, I'll just explain a little bit about my story. I was last year in that dorsal vagal state where I'm super overwhelmed. I'm totally dissociated. Mm-hmm. I literally felt like a clown with like face paint on me. Like I just, that's the best way I can describe it. I remember mm-hmm. I would put makeup on and I'm just like, what? It just felt like I wasn't there and I wasn't even putting makeup on my face. Yeah. I mean, just feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I now understand that to be dissociation. I had this feeling of impending doom, a ton of future fixation and honestly life ending thoughts. I just thought I don't want to be alive like this and I this the statement I remember saying to Gina was I don't think I'm ever going to be happy again yeah yeah and she was like that's a story that's following your state but I think it's really important for people to also know that you can only see things from the state that you're Mm -hmm. in yeah and so it was really hard for me to listen to people outside of that state who are observing me saying things like it'll get better you'll come back and so this was my like ultimate trust false surrender into the universe because I had no mental capacity to believe a different Mm -hmm. thought. I really Mm -hmm. thought I'm never going to be happy again. This is my life now. I've lost all my all my life force. I was a very joyful person. And I had this like literal character, like ego identity death because I was like, what's happening to me? Like, I I don't dance anymore. I don't listen to music anymore. I don't roller skate anymore. I don't want to do anything anymore. I want to like shut my business down. And like all of these things made me feel like I was wrong and like I needed to be like medicated or something Mm -hmm. and this is not to talk against that but I'm kind of curious to know from your perspective what what is your perception sort of on depression and things like that knowing this polyvagal theory because 
for me, my personal experience, and it could be different for other people, but as soon as I was able to employ tools to shift myself out of that state, suddenly my story changes, my perception changes, my orientation to life changes. No longer do I need any sort of like neurochemical addition to my brain to help me, although that might have been helpful at that time. But I'm just kind of curious to know from a neuroscientist perspective, you know, what is your thought on depression with respect to the dorsal vagal state? Yeah. So, I mean, in both in both spectrums, right, there's anxiety that's like the sympathetic, like more related to the sympathetic state and the depression that's more related to the the dorsal vagal state. And and I I truly believe that especially when it comes to depression and anxiety, that there's not, and this is probably an unpopular opinion among scientists, uh, especially, yeah. but that there's actually not mental disorders that we, it's yeah. like, a, this is a nervous yeah. system disorder. This, it, it, and even disorder, yeah. I don't even like that word. So it's, yeah. a, it's a nervous right. repatterning, yeah. like dysregulation for sure. But as, as we're discovering that that's what's happening and we're, and we're trying to take action to to do something different we can just we like gina was talking about like we can feel worse before we feel better and so sometimes that's where people give up they're like no this isn't working this isn't what i'm what i'm desiring so i'm just gonna give up or i'm gonna reach for the medication or i'm gonna do this thing um it's the immediate yes. gratification that we yes. often want. Yeah. And and again, like there I do not there are times where pharmaceuticals as an intervention is important, of course. For sure. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there needs to be additional support. And that's what doesn't happen a lot of times in in our medical system is it's like, here's this medication, yeah. go, you'll be fine. There's sometimes people will see a therapist. Sometimes people will go back to the doctor. They'll adjust the amount of the medication. But it's like the thing about it is, is we are so unique, so unique that there is and there's no way to test like what are the actual chemical imbalances in your brain. So we're going to try this medication that's going to increase the amount. See how it works. Right. It's like a like, let's just see. Let's a trial and error kind of thing, which. It makes sense that that's how we have to do it because we can't get inside of a still living brain and and measure those chemicals. But at the same time, it's at what cost? At what cost are we doing that? And so I think in my perspective, that is different than a lot of, of traditional scientists' perspective. We are not worrying about the body. We're not, we're not even considering the body. We're not considering our lifestyle. We're not considering what we're putting in. We're not considering the energies that we're, I mean, there's so many different holistic things because we are whole individuals that are not even considered when we're, when we're trying to treat depression or anxiety. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like we're just trying to treat the mind and just leave out the body. And I find that Western medicine has done this like total, like separation of like all of our parts. It's like, oh, your knee hurts. Like, let's put like a steroid yeah. shot into your knee. It's like, no, this is from my like mm-hmm. neck. It's like connected to the myofascial stuff in my neck. And so there's the, this total disconnection. And I just wanted to commend you, Andrea, for sharing this perspective. Because like you said, it is an unpopular opinion. But just to give you some more further support, um, I'm actually one of the creators that have been invited for the Mental Health Creator Summit at Harvard mm-hmm. University. 
And a lot of the conversations we've been having are about how we're looking at mental health from basically the incorrect mm-hmm. paradigm, right? We're, we are not actually trying to solve a mind problem. Yeah. Right. And believing that it is a mind problem is what's actually perpetuating the problem. It, it is a more holistic problem. Um, and this, like you said, the solutions are not actually going to create this holistic healing. We're missing like community yes. support too. Yes. Right. There's, there's no community. It's like, it's just, you're on your own kid here, take this. And it just makes sense that it's not really working. It's yeah. not working anymore for yeah. people. And it really hasn't been working for a long time, but it's like, there's been, there's been no exploration outside of it. Like, I don't even, I don't know yeah. the exact stats, but like, it was something like, there had been like 60 years had gone by before any like depression research on depression medication. So we had like three different types, right? That do have different mechanisms for how they work in the brain. And that's what we have. We're not there. There wasn't a lot right. of funding to study it. There wasn't. And that's how science works, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But there wasn't, right. there wasn't a lot of funding to study it. There wasn't a lot of, of just motivation to, to understand it on a deeper level because it is so complex. It is when we're trying to solve it at the problem of, as a problem of the mind, we only get so far. Like, why isn't this working? Why aren't people improving? Um, yeah. But but I think that that's why it's so important to like, and I'm so glad that you're you're going to be a part of that discussion and that these discussions are happening. I do feel like things are, are starting to shift. Like we're starting to realize yes. that we are whole people. And that we have basic needs like connection and and like that yes. support that are just not part of of those treatments. And back to what I was saying before, we have not even experimented with what else for like 60 years, what else can we look at to help treat yeah. these disorders? And so that's yeah. where like ketamine has come online and psilocybin and different different mm-hmm. um therapist assisted studies like that that I think are really starting to to change the game so that in addition to somatic work I believe mm-hmm. that's where it's at that's where yeah yeah well I think that's what's so hard about this though because you know I've definitely gone to doctors before because I'm so stressed out like what do I give me something to help me like I need to be able to handle yeah. like my life more and so they can give you something and you feel better and you're like perfect yeah. I'm good now and so that's why so many people don't have an understanding that it's not actually working, mm-hmm. right? It's it's just obviously just treating a symptom. And like you said, there's, yeah. it's just a matter of time before things will just fall apart. And thank God for that, right? I think, Honestly, you know, in the beginning, yeah. I was like, you know, F my survival yeah. strategies. Like, I hate them, you know, like my nervous system is against me. But no, like that, it's 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 working for you. And like, thank God right. that the survival strategies are there. And And thank goodness my body did start to shut down because that's showing that it's like it's working yeah and right it's more like yeah. aligned against your nervous system right yeah 100 percent. and it's funny to me that people want to go to the doctor so they can like take care of the symptom but it's like where is mm-hmm. the orientation of like well maybe i should change right. my life like yeah. because that's why the breakdown yes. happens yeah because now okay the medicine's not working like whatever you're doing to sort of manage is not sufficient enough it's your lifestyle yeah. That needs mm-hmm. to change and people don't actually make those core changes until it's like unbearable yeah. to keep going and so gina and i have really been thinking about like how do we create this lifestyle around our our personal and professional lives that feels 
supportive of our body because without feeling good in my body, like what is all of this for? Exactly. Right? Like, I don't want to live in this like panic, fear, stress, sympathetic state. No- nothing I even achieve from that state feels good anyway. It yeah. feels more of the same. And so, yeah, like you said, thank God for these strategies and thank God they don't work forever and that my body rebels to tell me what it really needs. Right. Totally. And like, yeah. and what is the root? Like, what is the root of of all of this? Like even talking about like, like figuring out how to to do things different, like to actually listen to the body and and it's disconnection. Right. Because when we are disconnected from our bodies, when we're disconnected from ourselves, we're disconnected from others, we're disconnected from nature, we're like there is just so much disconnection. And so we have no we don't have that awareness. We're not we're not hearing Mm -hmm. our intuition. We cannot when our body is speaking to us, there is wisdom, there is intelligence. But we're just like, nope, I got to do this thing. Be quiet. I got to do this thing. That's something I did for years. I ignored the my intuition. What I now know is my intuition yeah, yes. for so long. And then yeah. my whole life had to be blown up for me to fucking realize it, you know? Yeah. And so grateful that I'm where I'm at now. But it's like we truly as humans, like we just make it so complicated and and it's not just our fault, right? Like it's like this is the world yeah. that we live in. This is how we're conditioned to to show up to life. Um, and so it's like, how can we? The problem it, with all of this, I think, is truly disconnection. And so it's like, how can yes. we yeah. reconnect to our bodies, reconnect to ourselves, reconnect to each other? Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like so much of how so many of us operate is like yeah how do I make more money how do I have my dream life how do I get all of these things and and so we're not we're like you said we're ignoring the call of our body because that that's not even in the equation right when I thought about what career I wanted to have I wasn't thinking about is this going to support my nervous system like I didn't even care about that right and now everything I do revolves around my nervous system everything Everything. right you can like it is everything. Even even me and Sam, if we have like a meeting and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not okay right now. I'm not. We're like, okay, let's just cancel. We'll reschedule, and we don't feel bad about that, you know. And I think, well, we've done the thought work right. around, yeah, what we make that mean and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think now living from a place where I prioritize the the health of my nervous system and I actually can hear what my body is saying to me, it's a lot easier to strategize you know my life or to create a life that I actually do desire because I think that's what's so backwards is everybody thinks they want all of this Mm -hmm. money and this business and all of these whatever whatever it is but like you said it's like at the cost of what like we're not actually calculating the cost on our bodies unfortunately until the equation shows up in our life where we can't ignore it anymore and then then we get there and we have all the things and then we're like wait yeah like what this still sucks. Like I need something else. Like this still isn't totally. enough. And so it, it also is like yeah. this culture, which I think is perpetuated in the spirituality world in some spaces of like, yeah, you're not enough. Even though we're we're telling yeah. everybody that they're enough as they are, we're like, you need to get this certification and you need to have this thing and you need to do this thing. And it's like, actually, what if we just really honed in on our skills, on our medicine, on our magic? And we were so potent and we just focused on that thing and showed up and served mm-hmm. from that place. How powerful would that be? You know, instead of being like, I have to have all of these things so that I am worthy. So that like we're still looking for that thing outside of ourselves. 
outside. Yeah. I would love for you to kind of close us off with your favorite practices. Obviously, I know you love breath work. I would love to hear about how that's changed your life and just any other tools that our listeners can seek in order to help them shift in and out of these states into more safety um, so that they don't have to constantly move into the story about how they're a lazy do nothing <laughs> who is like, just doomed for failure, right? How can we support them into uh, a safe, like ventral yeah. state? Yeah. One thing, one thing that I would like to say, just like to kind of like wrap up the the conversation before that is when we're in a sympathetic state so often, that's actually a catabolic process in the body. Meaning we, that, that means mean? like we are using all the resources, like the, the food and the nutrition, the energy in the body, and we're, and we're breaking it down because we need it. We need it. So for example, like mm-hmm. I have to run away from this tiger or whatever is, is chasing after right. me. So I, I'm going to use all the resources in my body. Everything's going to go to surviving, right? So like the body is literally breaking down. So this is like this, this is so just empowering. I think when we really understand this, and when we're in parasympathetic, especially like the, the safety pathway or like the rest and digest that, that is natural, not the survival shutdown state, we are in a reparative or anabolic process where our body is literally rebuilding itself. That's what's happening in the rest and digest. Like our body is repairing, our cells are repairing. We are giving life back to our bodies. And so... then rolling into your question it's like to really true reparative rest is probably the most powerful thing we can do for ourselves regardless of what state we're in because that's going to bring us back to safety that's going to bring us back to where our energy levels are more balanced where if we're in like that shutdown state it's going to give us a little more energy to, to do the things that we need to do or that we want to do. If we're in that sympathetic state, it's gonna, it's gonna just allow our, our bodies to rebuild a little bit. So it's like these like truly reparative practices, which I kind of spoke to a minute ago of it's, it's nothing. It's like doing nothing and, and not having, yeah, yeah, literally not, which is so hard for so many people, but not having music on hard, not, I mean, reading a book could go back and forth, but like just really thinking about stimulation and what what is stimulating me right now. So I mean, it could literally be like putting earplugs in, like doing like a float. I, I've actually not done this, but I want to, but like doing one of those like float chambers where there's like literally no sound yeah. and where you're really, like people have said that doing that is like like getting like seven hours of sleep because there's no wow. stimulation like you are your body is yeah. floating yeah you're not hearing anything you're not seeing anything so a way to do that at home without going and doing something like that is putting earplugs in your ears you don't have to do that obviously but putting earplugs in your ears uh, an eye mask over your eyes laying in the dark no sound no nothing and just resting mm-hmm. Um, it's also, and I actually don't know the science behind this, so just going to name that, but putting, putting like propping your pelvis region up and letting your, so like putting like a yoga block or something like that, like laying on the ground, putting like a bolster yoga block underneath your pelvis region Mm -hmm. so that 
there's kind of like the slant in your body, like that's the true like posture yes. of rest and opening your arms up and like, yeah, like in, in like surrender, like I am open, I am here, or I am, I am resting. Um, it just feels so good. Um, so that, and then of course, breath work, like breath work is just so powerful and for so many reasons, but it's also so accessible. It is so accessible to yeah. so many people. And yeah. it can literally be something as simple as I am going to breathe in through my nose and sigh out of my mouth as until I start to feel yeah. some relaxation in my body. Like it's, it's can truly be that simple and it can be a lot more than that, right? You go and see a facilitator who yeah. can guide you through a really, really powerful practice. Um, mm-hmm. But it can, it, it doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be complicated and also breathing in and out through the nose is probably the most relaxing thing that we can do. So that just some like breath um, tips. If you as the more that you're breathing in and out through your nose, the better you're going to feel. The more. Why is that? Because you're actually ap- activating the parasympathetic system. And not only that, but your uh, nitric oxide is released in the body when you breathe in and out through your nose. And so your um it's a vasodilator so it allows the blood to flow more freely throughout throughout your body throughout your brain and get to your brain and oxygen is just delivered more efficiently so we can be breathing in yeah. all the oxygen but it's not if if we're just mouth breathing and i know that we do yeah. that sometimes in breathwork practices for a different reason but if we're just mouth breathing all the time we're breathing in a lot of air so we're like I'm getting a lot of oxygen in, but it's not actually being delivered efficiently to the cells. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, breathwork sessions for me have been extremely, I mean, that's obviously why I took the program. Um, They've been so transformative, but it was so interesting because when I had my first session, I was more feeling it through like the spiritual lens where I was like, I could feel the energy like Mm, in my body and I felt a release. And what I love about breathwork is that you don't really need to understand what's Mm -hmm. being released or why you just feel better and that's really all you need to know but when you taught your sessions and you connected the science as you said you are the bridge between you know science and spirituality it was it just made so much sense so I would love for you to just explain you know what is happening in our bodies when we're doing breath work why are we feeling better and feeling like we're releasing something just by breathing yeah sure so, I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with the the nervous system that we've been talking about, like throughout this whole thing, like when yeah. we're actually intentionally bringing the breath in and, and releasing the breath out, we're, we're settling, we're settling the nervous system. And, mm. and so that's like on a physiological level, right? Just by using the breath. So yeah. breathing is this like beautiful automatic process that happens all the time. We don't have to think about it, but the power, why breath work is so powerful is because when... It is like the one thing that we can take conscious control over to shift. It slows our yeah. heart rate. It slows. It, I mean, it just it, it brings us into this place of rest, this place of safety, because we're able to feel the connection to the body. There's also and there's not actually a lot of research on this, but I when I was still working in the lab, I actually hooked myself up to a transcranial Doppler, which measures blood flow to the brain through like the middle cerebral artery, which like runs right here. And it connects to like the frontal lobe and and it connects to a lot of places. But what that 
showed. And I just did 20 minutes of like the triactive breath, which is a three part all through the mm-hmm. mouth breath, probably the most activating breath that we do. Um, and my the blood flow to my brain decreased substantially. And in, in 20 minutes of that breath. So some people might look at that and be like, well, that's not good. Like you want blood to be flowing to your brain. Like you want your brain to be oxygenated, right? Because the oxygen travels. Yeah. Hemoglobin the, that's attached to the blood cells. But what, and, and I, again, it was me. I'm not a representative sample. I wasn't doing this like in a big group of people. Um, and I haven't seen any other research similar to this, but you know, we're always talking about that the mind can relax, the mind can rest. And and it's not, the mind never fully stops. It's like it, there's still always just like yeah. low level of activity when we're sleeping, when we're relaxed, all of that. But what I, my hypothesis based on my own data is that it was slowing the activity in like my frontal cortex and like the executive mm regions of my brain the like the thinking brain right the parts Panic. that that make yeah. stories and everything the parts that keep us in suffering the parts you know all of these and i was able to connect into my emotional brain and so sometimes that'll that's why that release comes that's why we're able to just feel things mm-hmm. without attaching a story to them right but also because it's right. slowing down this activity and especially if we get a nice release then after that all there is is rest because we've let that energy out of the body that's another thing that probably a lot of scientists would be like yeah but how do you measure that emotions are energy like they truly are because you feel it you feel tension in your body you feel and you feel it break up you feel it release and and so using the power of the breath to to be able to like visualize just like i'm sending softness to this place in my back that feels really tight like I get it all the time from clients. And yeah. oh my God, that pain just released that I felt for 10 years. And all I had to do was breathe. Like, so it's just this really powerful cleansing practice that that also has so much science to back it. Yeah. How how does that work though? I'm always so curious because my husband has a really chronically painful back and he knows cognitively that the more he thinks about it and stresses about it, it yeah. makes it worse. It it just does. And 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 it's that fear, right? Like, what if it doesn't get better? And is it ever going to get better? And and then even when it's better, he's worried about when it's going to mm-hmm. go out again, right? And so I am so curious, though, like, how how does the pain get released when, when we're, our body just relaxes? Is it just like the physical tension that's now kind of, like you said, breaking up? Um, I'm curious to know what your explanation is. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't, again, like I don't have any like specific science to to back this. So that's something that's yeah. really hard to study, even if people wanted to pay to study that, which yeah. would be funding for yeah. that, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> but that I, yeah, I believe that it's just, and part of it is is acknowledgement and acceptance of, right? So, right. so Sam, you even talked about just like acknowledging and accepting just kind of, I mean, both of you did in your experiences, like just kind of accepting yeah. where you were and yeah. and kind of releasing mm. this, also having this wider, yeah, like, and yeah. having a wider perspective. So when you're in the state yeah. that we talked about, the nervous system states, when you're in yeah. the state, it's really hard. You're like seeing through these tiny little like peephole glasses, but breath, what I yeah. think breath allows us to do is open ourselves up we're widening our perspective we're reaching other levels of consciousness so that we can see 
our lives more clearly. So suddenly it might shift in that this pain is not here because of X, Y, Z, whatever story I've made up about it. This actually is not going to last forever. Maybe what is my body saying to me right now? This is the language of the body. What is the body saying to me right now? And sometimes just acknowledging it is enough, which I don't, it's magic, right? I don't think there's science (laughs) to back that. That's just right. That's how it, that's how it works. And, and again, the power of the mind connecting with the body. I am visualizing softness, riding on the wave of my breath Mm -hmm. to this part of my body that feels tight. There's so much power in that because you're using your mind, you're connecting to the body, but it's like in a soft, compassionate way, not a way that's like, I wish this pain would go away. You know, there's such a different energy. Right. Yes. Like no again. Like my intuitive response to you, Gina, was like, it is the contraction, the tension that's yes. causing the pain. Because yeah. I was getting I was getting a massage yesterday and I have a really like tender spot like around my left glute where like my SI joint gets really agitated. And it's funny because my mind already has an expectation when his mm-hmm. palm is going there to mm-hmm. stuff to tense up. And he was like, don't tense up. Don't tense up. Relax your hip into the table. Relax, relax. And he said, you see how your muscle is fighting me? Mm-hmm. That's what's causing the pain. As soon as as soon as you relinquish that muscle, my palm's gonna roll right over and you're yeah. gonna feel relief. Mm. And it was so hard because my my mind is already mm-hmm. predicting pain. It's right. Like, That's the painful spot. Don't go there. And I even was I was gonna tell him to release pressure, but he, it wasn't actually that much pressure. It's it's because I'm contracting against it because the yes. other side felt fine. It's that I'm contracting against it. And so he said, like, just relax your hip, just relax. And I was like, okay, like and it feels like death because you're like, I need to protect. I need to. Mm. But it's all an illusion. And then as soon as I like got my internal like muscle fibers to just release, then his palm just rolls right over. And I feel that like, ah, like that really like that loosening. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, easier. And that I think can yeah. also be a metaphor of what's happening in the mind when we have resistance. Right. Because when we resist, we are talking earlier about I must control and must manipulate so that this can go the way that I want it to. That's resistance. Right. Like it's almost like we have this wall and we're we're and this is the resistance that we're pushing against. But we're we're controlling, we're manipulating, we're forcing. And so we're creating more resistance, just like we are in the body. And so it's like we can both loosen the grip in the body, loosen the grip in the mind. This is why there's this powerful vagus nerve mind body connection that breath work is so powerful at yes. connecting or healing strengthening um it's so powerful mm-hmm. the body leads the mind follows yeah, it's like this just this really beautiful oh. Oh. reciprocal relationship that if we allow so it to be but we yes, yes. I have yes. one more question about the brain because I feel like I could keep talking but I, I think this part really helped me when I started to understand this that you were talking about like the frontal part of your brain. And I think most people don't actually know that there's different parts of your brain and that when we get into these nervous system states that the part that kind of stays online is just that reptilian brain. Um, And like the thinking part goes away. And that actually helped me so much because I was like, oh, that's why, like I can't think clearly. That's why I'm not going to make necessarily the best decisions for myself. So I would just love your explanation on I guess the different parts of the brain and what turns off when we get into these nervous system disrupted yeah. states. Yeah, beautiful question. Yeah. So and I feel like you've already you already described it really well, but it's really just that that executive like planning, reasoning, like logical 
part of the brain that sometimes can can cause a lot of pain and suffering in our life, but also can help us make sense of things sometimes or allow us to be a voice of reason when we're stuck in a survival state where like we cannot see outside of that, right? Like Sam, you were talking about how yeah. when you're in that state, like you're seeing out of the the glasses, you're seeing out of the lenses that are colored by yes. that state. And that is that there is a brain body connection there too. And that's why we got to start start in the body so that then we can shift the mind. But it is so when we're in like a sympathetic state or even like the the dorsal vagus state, the shutdown, we the the logical part of the brain goes offline. So we're in like like a lot of like parenting books will talk about like the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain. And so like children don't mm-hmm. even have a developed frontal lobe, like the reasoning logical part right. of the brain. And so yeah, so Story that's why thinking. there's these tantrums and these you know, they're, they are expressing the feelings in their body in the only way that they know how. And so as adults, we can do the same thing. And it's not because that part of the brain isn't mm-hmm. developed. It's because that part of the brain is just offline. Like we're only yeah. connected to the emotional, reactionary, fear-based part of the brain. So there's no logic happening. And, and our thoughts can just be really dark in that place. So we can still have thoughts, but they're, again, they're very colored by the lenses of the state that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, I'm right. never going to be happy right. again. Yeah. Right. It's like, yeah. and I just believe it. I just believe the thought in that state, but in a different state, I hear that thought and I'm like, that's yeah. so ridiculous. It's like, that's <laughs> right. But it's, yeah. it's, it's resonant with my state, that belief, because that belief is that belief itself. I can mm-hmm. feel the density of it. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a match for my energetic state at the time. So that's why I'm believing it. But in a different frequency, the density of that state doesn't really resonate with me. It's kind of like bounces right. off. It's like, oh, that's, that's just, I can see and feel that that's just a thought energy. Yeah. As opposed to like, that's my reality now. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, this like acceptance where it's like this curiosity, which I think is born out of the safety. We can only be curious yeah. in the safety. Mm-hmm. And also Paradigm. like when you yeah. are in, like there's a there's a ladder. So we can think of like there's a hierarchy that exists within the autonomic nervous system. This is the last thing I'll say about this, but I think this is important for people to know. Um, when you're in this, the dorsal vagus, like you have to move through sympathetic energy to get back to safety. So when you're, this even goes back to your question that was like gonna gonna wrap things up a little bit ago, is like when you're so shut down, we've gotta have, we gotta invite somehow energy into the body so that we can move through, almost like moving up a ladder from dorsal into sympathetic right. before we can get into that ventral vagus. Because we're so like, out of touch like we're we're there's no feeling there's no like there's no energy really there is energy but not not the kind that we need right um and so being able to out of that dorsal place sometimes that's why you know i know sometimes it feels like advice from somebody it's like yeah you just don't understand where i'm at you're you're just telling me like well if you just would do this then Mm -hmm. maybe but there is some support to that and in the sense of like yeah. What is like when you're in that place, if you have support of somebody to just ask you this question, like what is one thing that you could do to just invite in a little bit of energy into your body? And, you know, something like yeah. going on a walk or just getting outside, like moving from 
the the box of wherever space that you're in, mental and physical, right? And going out where where there's bigger space around you, where you can just kind of, and moving your body. And so going on a walk, turning on some music and and just dancing, like just doing, just doing yeah. something to bring in a little bit of energy, a little bit of activation so that maybe mm. then you can connect into into the safety. Yeah, it is hard to hear from that state, mm-hmm. like just go for a walk or like just do something. But I can say from my own personal experience, I know that works because from my dorsal vagus state, mm-hmm. is that what it's called? The dorsal? Okay, dorsal vagal state. I do remember thinking like, I really need to mm-hmm. to do something. And mm-hmm. even if like kind of like, you know what, maybe it won't work. Maybe it won't, but I'm going to do it anyways. And that was for me going back to mm-hmm. my dance classes. And so I found a community where I could show up like once a week. For me, yeah. it's like my church now. Like yeah. once a week we go, we dance a singing community. And I show up there regardless of whatever expectations I have, whatever state that I'm in, because I know that it's going to raise my statistics mm-hmm. of feeling better. I don't expect it to make me feel better. I don't do it just because I already feel good. I'm like, no, like we just go there every week, like regardless of the state. And there are some times where I'm like, I don't yeah, feel like dancing. I'm like, I don't yeah. like I don't want to. Right. Like that energy is so it's like Newton's third law. It's like an option, like a um, an yeah. object in motion tends to stay in motion and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I'm like a log and I'm like, I don't want to move any energy. But then something starts happening when I start yeah. doing the warm up, like. I activate some fire and then, yeah, my mind starts moving in a different way after Mm -hmm. that. And like some, something gets kind of kicked up. And so, yeah, just for anyone who's listening, who might feel like I can't do anything. I don't want to do anything. I just want to lay here. You know, I hope this does inspire you to just move a little and not with the expectation that you're going to feel amazing afterwards. But like uh, Andrea said, you do need a little bit of energy to go into, you said Mm -hmm. from dorsal to sympathetic Mm -hmm. back to safety. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Scientifically. Yeah. It is because sometimes like when you have some anxiety after you're in that state, at least you can know like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going in the right direction because yeah. sometimes it's kind of like, wait, why do I feel worse? But that is going up the ladder. Mm-hmm. And that was really And it's also there. like, I think it can be empowering for somebody who isn't sympathetic all the time because like, God, like, why do I always feel like I have to be doing something? It's like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. being in that state, you're closer to getting back to safety than you are at, at you know, there's like yeah. this, like, well, we can see like the, the rose colored, you know whatever like I'm not at least I'm not you know all the way in in the shutdown like I'm closer to yeah, that yeah. desired state than than I thought so it's almost like cool I'm proud of me like I can I can be a little proud of me for yeah 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 well oh my god I just thought of something from like an animal perspective dorsal vagal literally literally it is. Is like accepting death it's mm-hmm. like you're in the free state right. and you're like I'm gonna die now like I'm gonna die like I'm gonna shut down completely at least like the flight sympathetic is yeah, like I'm, I'm like right. running away I'm at least, right. Like I, there's a chance that I will get to a safe spot away from this tiger behind me. So I, that's actually so interesting. I'd never seen it that way. That mm. for, yeah, the dorsal vagal, the overwhelmed, disassociated, like I'm yes. gonna call myself state is like that is the state of like right. death acceptance. Yeah, like and that's and that's why I have these thoughts of impending doom. Like I don't know how else to describe it. It just yeah. feels like doom. It's yeah. like doomsday all the time. It, I can imagine my body is like, that's because there is now a bear attacking me and I've accepted it. Whereas like you said, the running away is like, right. there's a chance. Right. Yeah. Even, Safe zone is like over there. That energy back into the body, going back to the animal example, what animals do because they don't have the mind to keep them stuck in the doom, right? 
is they should right they should right. It's like a natural response yes. an innate response that we actually have too but we're just really good at our mind is like no that would look weird it's like are you gonna i don't want to shake my body like why am i gonna shake my body but doing something like that or even just like squeezing your physical body like a somatic mm. input is some stimulation some like activation so if you don't feel like getting up and going to a dance class right away or getting up and going on a walk it's like well what can i do just right here right now well i could just shake yeah shake my hands maybe that's all i can do right now and then i can start to shake other parts of my body maybe i can just bring a little bit of feeling because we're so numb when we're in that shutdown state like i can bring a little mm -hmm. bit of feeling and touch into my body from a somatic perspective mm -hmm. kind of like waking waking the muscles up waking the cells up waking the body up so yeah oh my god that makes so much sense yeah so helpful yeah. it is so much andrea Thank you yeah guys. a lot of information here yeah <laughs> we're gonna need a part two one day i still have so many more questions there's just so much to know about the brain and body but i think this is going to be extremely supportive i mean for us and for our listeners too so We'll have all of your information in the show notes, where they can find you, um, the different offerings that you have. Um, but yeah, thank you yeah, again for thank being you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you. thank you so much, Andrea. We do, however, though, have one final question. Right. I can't let you get away yes. without asking you what sort of theme or life lesson realization is the one that you consistently have to spiral through in your life? Holy. I think it's that we're all on our own journey. Meaning when we are showing up from this place of like, or always have had this desire to support other people and help other people and, and all of that, it's like, we can see somebody in these like self-destructive spirals and be like, but if you would just do this, if you would just do, I mean, come and come and do this with me, this will feel better that we actually can't make that decision for somebody. We can show them, we can yeah, no. support them, we can guide them, we can give them all the tools, but it's ultimately up to them. And obviously this is a lesson I learned mm. through my husband's death because I tried to help him for so long, for years, didn't feel like I could. And now it continues to show up in, in some work that I do with people, but also I have a, my son who is now, he's almost eight, he was four at the time that his dad died. And ever since it's been really hard. It's, it's, it's fucking hard. That's probably the, yeah. the hardest thing of, of all of it is knowing that I cannot take that pain from him, that he's walking his own journey. Yeah. And I, that lesson is in my face over and over and over again. Like he's his own person. We're all on our own journey. We can show up and support each other. And we're, it's up to them, you know? Oh, yeah. mm, wow. Yeah. Thank you so much, Andrea. You've been such a such a mm -hmm. beacon of light today and information and yeah, just honestly evidence of what vulnerability and honesty on your path can really lead to mm -hmm. because it was only when you were willing to look at your situation, your story, all of these things square in the face that you could transform and heal and become a facilitator for so many other people. So yeah. thank you for your thank medicine. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. 
And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this episode impacted you. Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like-minded people on their healing journey. Here's to Spiraling Higher. Spiraling Higher.